Brother Grant, come and minister to us as the Lord leads you. Thank you, Brother Davis, and praise the Lord, everybody. Praise God. Jesus said to the Pharisees and to the scribes, I give you no sign but the sign of Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And I wondered for a long time what Jesus was really talking about. But when I began to study the Old Testament in the Psalms, and then more particularly the book of Jonah, I found out that Jesus was really saying that the world needs no more conclusive evidence than the evidence of someone who has descended into the grave and there been planted with the Lord in baptism and come up out of the grave a new creature in Christ Jesus. The world needs no greater evidence that God is alive than that. Praise God. Thank the Lord for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. I feel the Spirit of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Now, if you don't take it away from me, I might take it away from you. Praise God. There was a man in our church not too long ago. He said, I tell you, he said, I feel so excited. He was a new person. He got all mixed up, you know. David said, I ran through a troop and jumped over a wall. He said, I, I feel like David. I feel like running through a wall and jumping over a troop. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Oh, God is good. And thank you so much, Brother Davis, for allowing me to come. You folks have been so very kind, and so many good things have been said about my ministry. And I, I really want to tell you this, and I, I really mean this, that in these last days, God will use anybody that he possibly can. And I feel that if he can use me, he certainly can use anybody. I really feel that way. But I'm just glad to be here. I really am glad to be here. And they announced this morning that I was going to be preaching the anniversary services. It was a mistake. But truthfully, I wish it were. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And to see uh, the operation of uh, the Bethel Church and this church and Brother Davis and the workers uh, loading up all the equipment coming over here and then having church. And Sunday is... Certainly not a day of rest for this man. It's probably the hardest day of the week. And I'm really grateful that uh, men like Brother Davison, of course, and his wife and family and the other workers are coming and doing all that they are in the kingdom of the Lord. Sometimes I feel so tired and worn out and I get around someone that's just doing so much more and everything. I, I, I want to pray for more energy, you know, to do more. <laughs> Praise God. I enjoyed the choir singing. My, was that great. Praise God. And we've been ministering to the ministers, and we've been with Brother Teach and Brother Yance all week, and, and it's just so good to be with those great men of God. They really are. And to see Sister Teach here tonight, really good to see you. Praise God. Praise God. Now, you know what I do every now and then in, in a church in Madison? 
Every now and then I just uh, open my Bible and I just just preach or teach or do anything I want to do. I get one of those reckless spirits that comes on, you know, just where you just ready to tear up the devil and you know, you really I'm, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the devil tonight. I don't talk about the devil a whole lot because I don't want people to fear the devil. You know, ultimately, you end up a servant to that which you fear and respect. Did you know that? You get afraid of the devil, and you'll end up respecting him or serving him. It's a strange thing, isn't it? The Bible says we should fear the Lord. New converts sometimes, they come into church and they start fearing the devil. There are all kinds of books, you know, in the market today that you can buy about, you know, like how to deal with the devil, all that kind of stuff. And some of our new converts, they go and pick up those books and they start reading them and they're even afraid to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> really. <clears throat> we had one lady, she had so much trouble. And every time some little something happened, you know, she just got bent all out of shape. And she called, I don't know, it must have been 2, two or 3 o'clock in the morning. And she said, Brother Grant, guess what? I said, what? She said, the curtains in my bedroom are just breathing in and out. <laughs> just, just breathing. So I said, why don't you check around the seal in the window and see if there's a, a breeze coming through or something. She said, I already did and there isn't. I said, why don't you turn over and go to sleep? It's probably the devil then. <clears throat> Just ignore him. The Bible says, Submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from thee. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto thee. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I ain't going to let no dirty rotten devil run over me. Praise God. A little girl in our Christian school came running up to me. And she's just a little girl. She came running up to me and grabbed me by the leg and she said, Brother Grant, she said, those two boys are uh, chasing me and I want, I want, can you stop them? I said, I don't need to stop them. You can stop them. She said, how can I keep them from chasing me? I said, well, Michelle's very simple. Just don't run. <laughs> so she said, what? I said, don't run. Just don't let them chase you. So I said, you just walk across the parking lot. I'm going to the car, and I'll kind of watch you now. And so I gave her some instructions, simple instructions. She started down across the parking lot, and I headed the other way to the car, watching her out of the corner of my eye. And out from behind a shrub came those two boys just roaring, you know. <laughs> you know. And they ran up to her. And she didn't lose her composure. She just kept walking the way she was. And they jumped and they roared again like a lion. And She didn't do a thing. They looked at each other, very puzzled, you know. Dropped their hands and walked away. The game was over. 
Do you want to keep the devil off your back? you want to keep him from chasing you? Stop running. It's a simple little story, isn't it? Can't chase you if you don't run from him. That's just that simple. Praise God. You know what? We need to raise up a generation of apostolics that are devil chasers. Praise God. You know what? I have a feeling that here in this New York metro area, there's a lot of devils that need to be chased out at sea. You know, there's one thing about it. You're surrounded by water, and, 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 and the devil doesn't like water. He doesn't like you to go down in the water in baptism. You remember when the devil departed from the man? And when he came back, he was asked, where have you been? He said, to and fro in the earth in dry places. He doesn't like wet places. <laughs> Chase him out to sea. Praise God. I don't know if that's uh, good logic or not. It's just something I wanted to say. Just something that came to my mind in a, in a moment's time. Praise God. Take your Bibles, if you would, and stand with me. I said we're going to get reckless here. I don't know what we're going to do, to tell you the truth. There are some times that I, feel, I don't feel like preaching on anything, and there are times when I feel like preaching on everything in the book. And that's kind of the way I feel right now. I could just run through that wall and jump over that troop. <clears throat> Praise God. Matthew 13 is the chapter that I'd like to read from. And Matthew 13, as far as I can see, is prophecy that Jesus gave concerning the kingdom of God from the time that he began his ministry until the end of the world. Now, there's seven parables mentioned in Matthew 13, all of which, after I've studied them out, I feel that they parallel with the seven letters to the churches of Asia in Revelation 2 and 3 are the seven distinctive church ages or periods of time from the anointing of Jesus to preach the gospel until the last trumpet to sound. Now, you may disagree with that. Jesus was the one that went forth to sow the seed. And then, of course, the last parable is the parable of the dragnet that was cast in the sea and gathered fish of every kind. And that's what's happening now. The net has been cast into the sea, and it's gathering people from north and south and east and west to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob around the throne. Now, everybody that's caught in the influence of the Holy Ghost will not be saved. Prior to that was the pearl of great price. Prior to that was the hidden treasure of the field. And what I get out of all this is before the end of time, the truth will come back to the world that was taken from the world. And certainly has. We're very fortunate to live in the days that we live in. But all parables seem to have more than one meaning, at least particular parts of parables 
will, will and can be applied in almost every case to a particular situation or problem that you may have. See? I want to read from the 13th chapter of Matthew, verse 24 through verse 30. And then I want to read verse 30. Uh, 6 through 43. I'll skip some of those scriptures, but that's basically what I want to cover here. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servant of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. And the servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. But let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Go ye together first, go ye together first, let me, pardon me, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat unto my barn. And then, he explains in verse, starting with verse 36, that parable. And he talks about the tares. He talks about the end of the world. The wheat, the wheat represents people, and the tares represent people. And he said, the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, verse 41, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. God bless you. may be seated. <coughs> Let's just take verse 43 and see if we can get around to talking about this a little bit later on. We'll set a little bit of a course of action. And let's talk about shining like a star. That's not what I originally planned on titling a message, or in fact it's not really what I planned on speaking on. Uh, there is a strange, strange feeling in the world among the human race. Somebody commits suicide, everybody wants to do it. Isn't that right? <clears throat> it's amazing to me, I, I don't know much about rock music. I, I'm really amazed that so many Pentecostals know so much about it. We had a seminar in our church. A young man took one night and talked to our young people about rock music. You know, and I, <clears throat> I felt so dumb. I felt like I didn't know anything about mu rock music. 
But I was really amazed at, at the uh, words of some of those songs. You know, they talk about the devil, they talk about hell, they talk about going there. And for some reason, it, it brought to my attention a statement that Jesus made in Luke 17 when he said, remember Lot's wife. Now, the strange thing about that statement was that Jesus was saying, remember her. In other words, what about Lot's wife? We don't, we don't even know her name, do we? But on the day in which she left Sodom and Gomorrah, it took an angel on each side of her to drag her out. And she knew that if she looked back, she would be lost. She was told not to look back. And yet she was just so involved that there was something compelling her even though she was going to lose her soul. She still had to turn around and look back. And that same strangeness, it's like an intoxication, is sweeping across our world. We're living in gross darkness, so to speak. There is a lot of the influence of the devil in our world. There is no doubt about it. It, it is here. I heard over Paul Harvey's report about, I guess, less than a week ago. And he was talking about AIDS and the contact uh, that people uh, make with AIDS. And he's saying that they have documentation that a lot of heroin addicts have purposely sought needles that have been used by people carrying the AIDS virus so that they'll catch the AIDS and die. Now, I can't figure that out. Sin and the devil makes you think in a very insane fashion. The prodigal son is a typical example of that. He got right down in the hog pen eating with the pigs before he came to himself. It's like, uh, when's the last time you really got mad? I meant you pitched a fit. Come on. <clears throat> you act like you, gotta, you don't even know what I'm talking about. My wife and I have this agreement, okay? When I am mad or when she is mad, we don't believe one word that we say to each other. <clears throat> it's, it's so funny because it's so true, isn't it? <clears throat> have you ever been mad and you felt like you hated somebody? 
Now, you couples can relate to this. Five minutes later, you make up and you just love each other so much. Now, isn't it strange how you change your mind in just a moment's time? Now, if you go out in some fit of rage and you kill someone, the lawyers always try to prove that you were temporarily insane. You may say, do you believe that that is possible? Oh, I know it is. I have been insane several times. <laughs> the only thing is that God holds you accountable whether you are insane or not. See? It's like the man who gets drunk. Now, once he's drunk, he can't help what he's doing. However, he can keep from getting drunk. And so you can go insane just through some fit or some temper tantrum that you're throwing. And you can say and do things and cause irreparable damage. See, you can just tear up everything, bounce off the walls, kick the stars down. Now, I said all that to say that at least you have a little bit of an idea what it's like not to be yourself. And did you know some people live their whole life like that? That you just can't hardly get them to think right. You just can't make them do that which is right. Now, <clears throat> certainly, in the parable in which we read, it, it's easy to understand. Jesus said, now, there's good seed and there's bad seed. And he said, the field in which the seed Seeds were sown is the world. And of course we live in a world that is just rapidly expanding people, people everywhere. Man, I come to New York and I just it just blows my mind. I can't hardly believe. I live 140 miles from Chicago. Chicago is nothing like this, but it is so congested there. You know, you go down and just stop and go and stop and go and stop and go, stop and go. Caught planes out of Chicago many times. I caught planes out of here a couple of times. And as far as you can see, you look down, there's little twinkling lights from the Marriott where we were staying over at John F. Kennedy. We looked out, you could see the Empire State Building, the Twin Towers. And all the lights, you can see the heat and the gases and the atmosphere, and those lights are just twinkling. And it seems like every little light bears a particular detailed story. You know, it represents somebody. There's somebody down there. They all have their own little way of living and lifestyle and cultures and their way of thinking, their way of making a living. The psalmist said we spend all of our years as a tale that has been told. He said, so keep us, or teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may apply it to wisdom. You're here today, but you're going to be gone tomorrow. And when I think of the world, I have some statistics that I just brought along with me. 
I brought along a good file with me. I teach a lesson entitled, The Field is the World, in our Christian uh, stewardship classes for new converts. But when I look at our world today, this is what we're looking at. Did you know we have approximately 300 missionaries in the United Pentecostal Church? Sounds like a lot, and I thank God for everything we're doing that's good. I think that is good, but when you compare it to the number of people on our planet Earth, 5 billion people here on this planet Earth, this Earth reached 5 billion souls this past April. It was a year ago. In China alone, there are over 1 billion now, 75% of the world population have never heard that Jesus died for their sins. What do you think of that? There are over 3 million villages in our world that has never yet had a person to go into that village and introduce them to Jesus Christ. Over 3 million. There are 7,000 languages spoken on this planet Earth. 5,199 of these languages still have no interpretation of the Bible. The field is the world. Over 80,000 people die each day. Now, our foreign missions report last year stated over 70,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in one year's time. That's great. I think it's great. But comparatively speaking, while we had 70,000 to receive the Holy Ghost last year on the planet Earth, 80,000 died in one day. That simply means every minute that you watch your clock, 55 people pass into eternity without God. Every minute. Here in America, 40% of the Americans still have no church affiliation. 60% of the 90 million, which represents 40%, say that they would like to belong to some church, but we really don't know what is truth. So why belong to anything? There are only 12 churches per every 10,000 people in the United States. In Texas, where I came from, I've been in Wisconsin since 1968, there were over 8 million people who have never been evangelized. It's in Texas. Now, listen to this very carefully. If all the people in the world were lined up at your front door, this line would reach around the world 30 times. This line is growing by 20 miles each day. If you drove a car 50 miles per hour, Ten hours per day, it would take you four years and 40 days to reach the end of the line. 
That's 30 people whined. Then when you reach the end of the line, it would have already grown by 30,000 miles. It's a big, big world. A big world. And Jesus is saying the field is the world. The field is the world. Let's read it again. If all the people in the world were lined up at your front door, the line would reach around the world 30 times. This line is growing by 20 miles every day. If you drove a car 50 miles per hour, 10 hours per day, it would take you four years and 40 days to reach the end of the line. Then when you finally got to the end of the line, it would have already grown by another 30,000 miles. You see, we're talking about an astronomical situation. The field is the world. But you will find that as the apostolic age started to close, that's the days of the Bible, the apostles were warning young men and congregations about false doctrine. They were warning. This is why Paul said, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, following after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead body, and ye are complete in him, who is the head of all power and principalities. Jesus is the head. Now, while men slept, Satan, or the enemy, sowed seeds. And if you will notice, it definitely states the enemy that sowed them is the devil, verse 39. And then you will notice that when this took place, while men slept, his enemy, not the enemy of the sower altogether, that sowed the original seed, but the enemy of the people who were asleep. Did you know the devil cometh not but to kill and steal and destroy? The devil at one time, I told you we talk about the devil a little bit. The devil at one time was an archangel. In the scripture, there are three names that are mentioned for archangels. Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. In Isaiah 14, verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Now, Lucifer along with the others, had particular responsibilities. I don't know what I'm going to be whenever I leave this planet Earth. But we will be made rulers, kings and priests with the Lord. I don't really know what I'm going to be doing. Somebody came in our new church and we had this platform built. There was no ceiling above it and everything. They said, that looks like a throne to me. Of course, I, you know, just jokingly, I said, well, you know, we may be closer to the millennium than what we think. 
And if we reign and rule on the earth with the Lord, I may be in Madison. This may be my throne. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to be doing. But I will have a particular responsibility. You will too if you make it. And we hope that you will. There's no doubt about it. We shall reign and rule with the Lord. Now, the situation was that that Gabriel, when you read the Bible, he seemed to be the archangel that is responsible for announcements or annunciations, proclamations and such. His name is mentioned several times in the Bible. He heralded the coming of the Lord. See? And then Michael was the archangel that seemed to be responsible for order and authority. Kind of like the police. Now you'd say, I thought that the chain of command came about as a result of the curse of the world. That's not so. Because when the curse is taken away, we will reign and rule with the Lord. Now, we've got to reign over something. I don't want to cross anybody's theology. But you see, there was an order, there was a chain of command before there was a world even. Isn't that right? Certainly there was. There's no doubt about it. Now, God has purposely designed in His Word that every creature that's made in His likeness or His image be given the power of choice. God doesn't make you come to church. You see, during this period of time, before there was a world... There were the angels, but God gave them the power to choose. Now, there's a unique thing about choice, and it's this. You can always do what you want. You can choose to do what you want to do. But you do not have the power to choose the consequences that follow that decision. See? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So there are certain laws that are enforced. If you crawl to the top of this building, you get on one of these rafters up here, and you say, I defy the law of gravity. I defy the law of gravity. Okay, go ahead and jump. Now, you may defy it, but I'll tell you what you're not going to do. You won't break it. And you see, God's got some laws that are set in motion that you may defy, but you won't break them. Whatever you sow, you will reap. And every road in life is determined whether it be good or bad according to the end to which it leads. So you may make a choice, but you do not have the power to choose the consequences of that choice. If you make the wrong decision, you've got to live with it. If you make the right decision, you live with that too. And that's great. So Lucifer was given the power to choose. Do you know that even after the millennium sets in and people are under the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ on the earth for a thousand years, at the end of it, Satan or Lucifer 
comes forth from the bottomless pit and goes forth into the earth. And this is the time in which God gives the inhabitants of the millennium the power to choose. So that when the angel puts one foot on the land and one foot on the sea and heralds that time shall be no more and it rings throughout the planet earth and into outer space and man is snatched away from the planet earth where duration is not measured and we are put finally on streets of gold nobody who walks on those streets will be there without choosing to do it. That's the way God made it. And God has so designed that He will give every man enough lateral, enough elbow room to go to hell if that's what He wants to do. Because He wants no mechanical robots serving Him in the holy city. Oh, I'm glad I chose to serve Him. But Lucifer, in the book of Isaiah, seemed to have a unique job. He was called the morning star, or son of the morning. The word morning here is making... Reference to the same thing that is spoken of in the creative days in Genesis where the evening and the morning were the first day. There was a period of lightness and there was a period of darkness. And in a spiritual sense, because that he was considered the angel of light, evidently he was responsible for revelation and truth. That was his job. So he was to constantly reveal the truthfulness of God in eternity to all of God's angels and creatures. But when he was given the power to choose, he didn't make the right choice. And if you will look at me, with me in Revelation, the 11th chapter, 12th chapter, pardon me. The Bible says, And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, or to devour her child as soon as it was born. The woman, I think it was Israel, the child was the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you will notice what the Scripture is saying, that there was a time in which Satan was, Lucifer was kicked out of heaven. Now let me just insert a little positive thing here so that you won't get scared to death. Okay. He took with him one-third of all of the stars or the angels. 
Now that just simply means all worked up about something that's not true. You know, it's a known fact that 90% of the things that you get worked up and worry about never happen, can happen anyway. But he gets you all worked up about something. Now notice what Jesus had to say. <coughs> Jesus had to say, in Luke the 10th chapter, verse 18, he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Have you ever gone out on a clear night and looked up into the heaven? All the stars up there, and you say, twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. Up above the sky so high, like a diamond in the sky. Every now and then you see one fall. They say, if you make a wish... When it's falling, that it'll come true. Kind of a little kid story. I don't think there's much of a superstition to that. That's just something people say. And the reason why that it's so hard to make a wish is because when you see it falling, you're just aghast. <gasps> and you think about making a wish, but she's gone. <laughs> it's too late now. And I think somebody dreamed that up because it's just impossible. And Jesus, that's what Jesus was saying, that when the light, when the revelation, when the angel of the morning lost his estate, when he was cast out of heaven, it was like a star. And it went out. And he lost all perception truth and revelation. Now, sin is designed to take away any truth or any knowledge that you have. If you start toward God, the light starts coming on inside of your soul. See, it's there. But if you stop walking in the direction of God and you start sinning, that light goes out. Oh, you want to talk about something sad? Read Romans 1. When they knew God, they did not worship Him as God. And the Bible talks about the knowledge that they had, that they could not retain it. And they went into darkness, spiritually speaking, and oh, he says, how great is the darkness. They lose their ability to be sane, to think properly. The strangeness that came upon Lot's wife comes upon you, where even though you know if you look back, you're going to be lost, there's something that just says you've got to look back anyway. That is the intoxication that's upon our world today. Now I want to say this, and I say it just as forcefully as I possibly can, 
I do not believe that the devil should be feared by Christians. When the 70 went out in Luke 10, they came back rejoicing, and this is what they had to say. Even the devils were subject unto us. Praise God. That's what he said. That's what they said. Oh, thank God that you and I have power over Satan. Now, let me tell you something about Satan. As powerful as I think he is, I do not feel that Satan is omnipresent. I don't believe that Satan can be everywhere at one time like God is. Now, he may have ministering spirits out doing all of his work for him and such. But, you know, only God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. The only one to ever walk upon the face of the earth that could declare, Lo, I am with you always. That's not just talking about longevity. That's talking about any situation, any circumstance, any problem, any trial that you ever encounter. God can and will stand by your side and accompany you and assist you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. It doesn't make any difference what comes your way, my friend. God's going to be by your side. Praise God. Now, there's some things that, that uh, I just want to mention here. And Now, this is going to be, just for a moment, the gospel according to John. I'm talking about John Grant, okay? Just going to give you, some, give you some thoughts here to think on. So don't say, Brother Grant taught this as a doctrine. But you know, the strange thing, the strange thing, that uh, I see in our planet Earth now, now I, I do not believe in evolution. Do you? No. <clears throat> you can't if you believe in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. <coughs> God created all the creatures and everything. But there's something strange that's taking place in our planet Earth right now. Isn't it strange that the world, since the creation of man, has been here for about 6,000 years? And isn't it strange that 6,000 years after Adam, that all of a sudden people start catching AIDS? Now, you've got to keep this in mind, that if we don't believe in evolution, now that AIDS virus had to have been someplace for 6,000 years. Now, it had to have been, where was it, under a rock someplace or what? Well, they say that man caught it from monkeys. I mean, that's documented. But pray tell me, why didn't man catch AIDS 4,000 years ago? I mean, the monkeys have been around a long time, too. The gospel according to John. Listen to me. One of the signs of the last days that's found in Matthew 24. Let's see if I can find this. Matthew 24, verse 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. 
and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And I don't believe that God went and created some pestilence for the last day, some virus like AIDS. You may say, well, Brother Graham, what are you trying to say? Well, let me, let me show you something that Jude said. <clears throat> I hope I'm not getting way out on a limb. At least you know that's just my, my thought, okay? There's some things that I preach as the gospel. There's some things I just share with people. I'm just sharing this with you, okay? In Jude 6, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of that great day. And then when I look in the book of Revelation, I definitely find now, in the book of Revelation now, where that in the last days, and this is after the rapture of the church, that there are demons that will come out of hell and they will sting people and the sting of their torment shall last for five long months. Now, I do not believe that all sicknesses are caused primarily because of the sin of an individual, but I believe sickness was introduced into the world because of sin. See? Now, when the serpent was robbed of his legs, and he was told that on his belly he would go, spiritually speaking, okay, spiritually speaking, the Bible says that he was to eat of the dust of the earth. And man was made from the dust of the earth. And the way that God has intended in his plan for man to leave this planet earth is through that constant pressure and wearing down of the body that's been cursed. I used to have a great big chest. And after a while, it started shrinking and my stomach got bigger. So I tell everybody, my, my chest is as big as it always has been. It's just in a different place. <clears throat> but what is causing this? That constant pressure, pulling down of gravity upon man. After a while, the muscles get weak. The pressure pulls them down. After a while, you get a cane and you try to resist it and you hold yourself up. And you do everything you can to stay alive and well and youthful. My, how many people on this planet Earth are trying to stay young? You think about that for a minute. But down they go, down they go, down they go, down they go. And after a while, you know, you, you color your white hair black. And after a while, you don't have any to color. think of all the cosmetics to make us look young. Really. Who 
Who was the man from Spain, Ponce de Leon, that searched for the fountain of youth? Let me just drink of it so I can live forever and be young. Michael Jackson just spent over $3 million for an oxygen bed in which they pump oxygen at such high pressure in there when he's in there that it goes into the pores of his skin. He says, I hope I can still look young at 150. But the devil eats away and eats away and eats away and eats away. Every now and then somebody will walk up to me and say, Are you John Grant? You know, it's like an insult, you know. Yes, I'm John Grant. <clears throat> Still John Grant. My eyes don't see so good. My ears don't hear so good. My hairline is way back. A lot of things have changed about me, but see, I'm still John Grant. Look at the book of Ecclesiastes when Solomon explains this. He said, In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, the hands begin to tremble. And they that look out the windows shall be darkened. Talking about the eyes. And the grinders be few. You know. After a while you're gumming your food to death. And then he concludes it by saying, and man goes to his long-awaited home. He leaves the planet Earth. But you see, while we're here, there's constant satanic forces and pressures upon us. And every now and then, God wants a person to repent or he will want a nation to repent. Did he not? He told Moses, smite the ground of Egypt. And my friend, out of the ground came forth frogs. Lies. Take your staff and wave it in the heavens. And big hailstones fell out. What are you trying to say, Brother Grant? I wonder if God has not allowed some evil spirits in these last days to attach themselves to various viruses to go forth to plague mankind. I didn't say God did. I said He allowed it to happen. In other words, if you want your vice and your sin, you make the choice, but you can't choose the consequences that come with that choice. You do not have the power to choose the consequences of your evil. It has already been destined that the devil and all of his angels will burn in hell forever and ever and ever. I don't have any fear. 
I really don't have any fear. You'll find in the Old Testament, there were all kinds of pestilences and things that came people's way. All kinds. Uh, <clears throat> but listen at Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth Let's say it together. His truth, inseparable from light, see, shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand. But it will not come nigh thee. In other words, when he speaks of pestilence, he's talking, he's talking about things that are directed as a result of iniquity. To accomplish a particular purpose at a particular time. Oh, I get sick and you get sick. As long as we're here. I believe in divine healing. I'm not for sure that there is such a thing as divine health. <clears throat> there will be when we're translating. There will be when we're changed, but not so now. But every now and then, God just wants to smite the earth. And I'm wondering... If God hasn't said, okay, you want to make your own mind up, but here are the consequences. <clears throat> now, I've read this, I've quoted this two or three times. I just want to quote it again. John, the first chapter, and we're going to talk about this a little bit. And we're going to get into something just powerfully positive. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I'm going to tell you about the Word. <clears throat> the Word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews 4.12 Piercing even to dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and to the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. Now let me tell you about the word. See, the word is light or life. Now we know that because we continue to read it. See, in him was light, and the light was the life of man. You can take a prism, and you can collect the colors of the sun. You turn it a certain way and you see all the colors of the sun. On one side of the prism, there is red light. On the other end, there is violent light. But see, there is light that you can't see with your naked eye. 
And scientists tell us that the light that you can't see with your physical eyes is much more dangerous or much more beneficial than the light that you see with your natural eye. Now, some animals are called nocturnal. They roam at night. Now, they don't go around their eyes closed. They see light that your eyes cannot see. See? Have you ever heard of infrared? Have you ever heard of ultraviolet light? You see, on the violent side, just off of the visible spectrum or the visible band, there is ultraviolet light. That's on the cool side. If you go on out on that band of light, which scientists say there is no, it's as vast as eternity. There's all kinds of light out there. You turn on a radio. We call it radio waves, but it's actually light. AM radio means amplified modulation. It's a band of light that that little instrument that you have is able to pick up through that little antenna. And FM radio, which is way out on the cool side of the light band, there is frequency modulation. Now you get on the other side. On the hot side, there is light, x-ray. There's microwave. You cook your food with light. You didn't know that, did you? Sure you did. Now, all of you knew that, didn't you? And so I go in, I put my hand down, and they shine a light. I didn't see that light. All I heard was a little hum in the room back there. But they brought it out, and they said, Here's what your hand looks like inside. Behold a miracle. How did you get in there? We shined it in there. You mean it It went, it shined in, inside them? Yes. See, the word of the Lord is light. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That means it can go without cutting. To the joints and to the marrow. That's the reason why the scripture says that God can read your very thoughts. He can see inside of your brain, my friend. He knows what's inside of your heart. You go to the highest mountain and he can see you. And you go to the lowest valley and you still cannot hide from him. When they cry in the book of Revelation, let the mountains fall on us and hide us from the face and from the wrath of the Lamb. My friend, it's impossible to be hid from God. I'll tell you about Jesus Christ and the Word. The Word is so powerful that it can read your mind. But not only that, it says also the intents of the heart. See, God not only knows why, what you're thinking, but He knows why you think the way you think. He can read your attitude that causes you Oh, what are you trying to say, Brother Grant? You see, the son of the morning lost his estate. 
And the next time that man was to receive a heavenly visitor, it was not going to be an angel, my friend. But God was going to do it himself. I'm not going to trust Michael with it. And Gabriel won't do it. But I'll come into the world and I'll give them that revelation myself. It's so valuable and so important. I will go do it myself. Did not Peter call him the son of the morning or the morning star? I will do it myself. And this is the reason why that the oneness message is such a beautiful message, my friend. He didn't send the second person of a divine trinity. He came himself. He came unto his own and his own received him not. That was a true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. If you can perceive truth in the in the the smallest form, my friend. You can only do it because Jesus Christ is bringing it to you. There are gross shadows of darkness across our planet Earth. Oh, the gospel writer put it like this. He said, in the last days, men shall be sitting in gross darkness in the shadow of hell. That simply means that the darkness upon the planet of earth is so great that men are sitting in the chilling, dark areas and yet even though it's jet black, out of hell comes big shadows across them. But then he speaks of the day spring from on high that will come to visit them. John the Baptist was to bring great light of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was to come. Oh, when we get the Holy Ghost, you know what the Bible says about us? Ye are the light of the world. A city that's set upon a hill cannot be hid. This Jesus name, apostolic, tongue-talking, devil-chasing church cannot be hid from the inhabitants of the planet Earth. And let me tell you something. As sure as I believe that there's a devil, I do not believe that he can promise to be with me always, even to the end of the world. I do not believe he's omnipotent. I do not believe he's omniscient. I don't believe he can read my mind all times. Only God can. And I don't believe that he's omnipresent. But I believe God, who is omnipresent, if there are enough devils to go around forever inhabiting on the planet Earth, there must be at least two good ministering spirits that can stay by my side and abide with me. I believe it. I believe it. Hallelujah. And you know what I believe? I believe that just as sure as I stand behind this pulpit made of wood, if I've got a made-up mind to make it to heaven, there is no devil in hell that's big enough nor powerful enough for who can separate me from the love of God. No height nor depth. Nothing.
nothing, nothing, nothing. And I'll tell you one thing, my friend. One of these days, God's going to look around to that angel, Gabriel, and he's going to say, Gabriel, pick up your trumpet! Hallelujah, hallelujah. And the Lord's going to mount up in the eastern sky. It's a strange thing to me. Now, I don't know if the Lord's coming in the eastern sky. Somebody asked me not long ago, and I took a day or so looking around, and I couldn't find it. But it is a strange thing to me that everybody when they die want to go to heaven. Did you notice all graveyards face the east? Sure. That's a that's a cue for the minister. You don't you walk in there, you don't have to ask where will the head be? Because they always face the head toward the west in anticipation that when the rapture comes, we will rise up face to face to meet him. So everybody wants to go to heaven. But nobody wants to live for God. Isn't that something? And so the preacher gets you inside of a beautiful sanctuary like this, and he talks about Brother Jones this and Brother Jones that, and all the contributions. It's like the little boy in Sunday school when his teacher asks him, Now you've heard the parable, or the story rather, of Lazarus and the rich man. Which would you rather be? Everybody says, Lazarus! But one little boy. And he'd open his mouth, and the teacher says, What about you, John? He says, Well, I'd like to be the rich man now, and Lazarus when I die. (laughs) But it's not going to be that way. So you see all the beautiful words over Brother Jones. But my friend, it takes more than that to go to heaven. I want you to stand with me. But this church is destined to go up. Praise God. I say it's destined to go up. And nothing's going to stop it. And so we're living in the last days. And there's all kinds of problems in our planet Earth and all kinds of AIDS viruses and, and everything in our planet Earth. But oh, let me tell you something. I believe that just as sure as I believe anything in this world, if I read my Bible correctly, from Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica, that there is one thing in the planet Earth that's hindering the works of iniquity. And he says, when he be taken out of the way, then shall that wicked one be revealed. I believe the true church which have received the light of Jesus Christ and represent Him in the planet Earth have much more power in this earth than what most people think. I believe that it is the blood-bought true church that's holding back the forces of iniquity. Now let me tell you, if this church can hold back the forces of iniquity keep the Antichrist from being revealed... Some of these little night spots in this city don't mean one thing to God. Now, the field is the world. You've got to have a good attitude. You can't just go down there and say, well, we're going to go down there and blow them all up or lock them all up or something. You'll hinder the cause of Christ. But you let your light shine. you got power with God. I say you got power with God. you got power with God. And you know one of these days... 
God was going to come. Have you ever put two magnets together? And you turn them a certain way and they repel. You line them up just right and they attract. And the Lord's going to come back and the spirit that's inside of me, being the same spirit that's inside of him, there's going to be such an attraction that, that this whole planet Earth is going to lose control of me. And I'm going to be sucked up, caught up, to ride the clouds with the Lord in the air. You want to go to heaven? You can, my friend. You want to walk on streets of gold? You can, my friend. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. This church is going up. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I say, this church is going up. 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 First Thessalonians 4.13 But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive remain Unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now listen, here's the clincher. He says, wherefore, comfort one another these words. When I preach like I have tonight and you feel uncomfortable, you're probably not ready. And if there's an uncomfortable feeling that comes over you when somebody talks about the word of the Lord, it's then time for you to come and get the comforter in your heart. So right down here in front, all around here, there's a place for you to come kneel and pray. If you're not ready, if you feel uncomfortable, why don't you step out right now and come on. Throughout this building, there are Christian workers who'd be glad to come kneel with you and assist you. Oh, what a beautiful altar service we had over at Bethel this morning. We can have a duplicate of that here tonight. Come on right now. Come give your heart to God. 
children throughout the congregation, why don't you come and pray? Anybody who wants God, why don't you come on? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. People are coming all over, from all over. Come on. Praise God. Come on. And uh, there can be many things. I don't want to call them minor, but in a sense, they would be minor to the major thrust of the Holy Ghost here this evening. But th- there is something here right now. And it's it's a follow-up on, on this clear, beautiful explanation and message concerning whether you want to be lost or whether you want to be saved. And I believe there's some decisions that are going to be made here tonight. It's probably not just one person. It probably is a number of people. It probably touches attitudes and spirits. It touches doctrine. Are you going to stay in tradition or are you going to turn to Jesus Christ with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Are you going to keep dabbling in the world? Are you going to harbor spirits that you know that are not right? Or are you going to open your hand and give it all to Jesus? Now you have heard it tonight. And the Spirit is talking to you. But it's up to you. It's in your hands. But the Holy Spirit is here to help you. It's here to help you accept truth. It's here to help you overcome any mountain of life, any temptation of living that you need to overcome. God's with you. God's for you. He's not willing that you be seduced by the evil powers of darkness to believe a lie and be damned. He's not willing that you be locked away in a prison of half-truth nor of sin and unbelief. He wants to set you free. What difference does it make What difference does it make? I tell you, give it all to Jesus. Give it all to Him tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. not even sure what method to use in this next part of the service. I, I don't even know what to tell you to do for sure. But you need to do something. You need to talk to yourself and you need to talk to your God. And you need to search your heart and ask God to reveal to you anything in you that He wants to change. Anything in you that He wants to make different. Ask Him to reveal it to you right now. 
Let's reach out after God, church. Let's call on God. Let's have help, ask Him to help us and others to find the help right now. Reach out to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God. I believe that God is challenging some hearts tonight and calling some people to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I believe God is calling some people to the altar tonight to put it all there and say, God, I'll leave the world alone. I'll say no to the enemy and yes to Jesus Christ. God is calling you tonight. God is calling you. Are you willing to follow Jesus? Are you willing to make up your mind tonight? Tonight. Tonight. I'll cast my lot with Jesus Christ. Listen. Listen to him. Glory to God. Listen to his word. Listen to his spirit. Listen to your heart. Your heart is calling you. The spirit is calling you. The bride is calling you. The church is calling you. Come. Come unto me. Are you the labor of heaven? I'll give you rest. Come and be buried in the name of Jesus Christ. Come and lay your sin on the altar and be converted. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Church pray. Church believe God. Church, I'm challenging you to obey God. Today is the day of salvation. Now, God is working a miracle in this place. Obey God, church. Come on. Come on. Come on. Not too late to come and say, Pastor Davis, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. It's not too late to come and say, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Pray, church. Pray, church. The Spirit is at work. Let it do its finished work here. In Jesus' name. Pray, church. Pray. Pray, church. Right now, pray. Reach out to God. Let your face soar. In all things right now in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Feel after Him. Enter into the Spirit. Enter into the presence of the Lord. Praise God. Let's draw the very presence of God into this place that it cannot be resisted. Truth cannot be resisted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, 
Would you please reach out to the Lord in prayer and worship like you never have before? Praise God. Me to do something that I don't ever recall doing in a public service. But he told me to command everyone in this building that has turned to the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. In other words, you believe the Lord Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. And you have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Lord told me to command you to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. I am commanding you, do not leave this building until you have come to me and said, Pastor Davis, I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible precedent for it is found in Acts the 10th chapter, verse 47. Can any man forbid water that these should be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I am commanding you tonight to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Glory to God.